Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 231. Welcome to our Facebook uh, audience here live on Facebook. Proud member of the Education Podcast Network, Voice Ed Radio Canada, or wherever you are taking in your podcasts. We appreciate you. Leave us a question. Leave us a comment. Jump in the show live. That's one thing. That's uh, different about this podcast. We are live and it is fun to have audience participation. So I look forward to you jumping in with us and our guest tonight. You are going to meet a lifelong Oregonian. You are going to meet a wicked smart uh, attorney who's doing great things for schools and has been for quite some time. And I think he's the biggest Cubs fan I've ever met uh, in my life. You're going to meet Jim Green the executive director of OSBA, Oregon School Boards Association. Uh, he's our guest tonight, and uh, Jim has become a friend of mine. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll tell that story momentarily. Happy holidays, everyone. I hope you and your family are well. It is the time of giving. It is the holiday season, uh, and it is certainly a beautiful time of the year. And it's also sale time. I got these books on sale. There is a holiday code. Um Survive, thrive, holiday is the code. You can get all three for forty bucks. Uh, put that in there, uh, that code there. Survive, thrive, holiday, and you can get all three. If you just want two, uh, you can put that in there too. And I think you get two for thirty bucks. Um, so check those out, and it would be an honor to get those books to you and sign them for you uh, and your loved ones. Happy holidays. Let's get st started here. Show number two thirty one. Uh, the opening theme tonight is each one reach one. I had a friend share that with me here during the holidays. Um, and it's so true, right? In the work you're doing, uh, we're going to talk to Jim about working with school boards and, and, and serving uh, the school communities uh, and the work they do. Each one, reach one. Think about that concept, right? If each one of your people in your schools, each one of your admin teams, each one of wherever your, your group is, is reaching one, that's a lot of connections. That's a lot of help. That's a lot of helping hands. Uh, and I just love that concept. It makes me want to reach more. Uh, but when you know you only got to reach one, right, in that moment, that person you're having that conversation with, that interaction, the power of a single interaction, each one reach one, it's very doable. Uh, brings you back to the story of the starfish, right? Uh, guy throwing the starfish back in the water. Hey, man, what are you doing? You can't save all these starfish, right? And I save this one. And he throws it back in the water. And I save this one. Each one, reach one. Think about that today. Think about that as we uh, turn the uh, page on 2022 about who you can reach and how you can reach them in 2023. Let's get rolling with today's guest. We'll bring him in the podcast at this time. Uh, we don't want to wait anymore for Jim Green. Jim, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Andrew. Great to be here. Good to see you and good to be back with you. Jim is the executive director of OSBA, Oregon School Boards Association. Jim, you've been there a number of years now. Uh, you're going on year 25. Did I get that right? 
yeah, uh, you know, I had a little break in there for a little bit, but yeah, I'm back now at OSBA. Total of about 25 years I've worked on behalf of school boards, locally elected school board members here in Oregon. Fantastic. And I know you've been the executive director now a number of years. And Jim, let's start, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, you had your annual conference, huge uh, deal. You had a big crowd, uh, Portland, certainly downtown there. You know, how did you feel about the conference and how it went? I thought it went really well, Andrew. You know, first, it was our first time back in person in a couple of years. So one, being able to see all of our members, letting them connect, letting them discuss the issues they're facing. I mean, it was just fantastic. People came up to me throughout the conference, just so happy to be back in person, being able to see people, interact with them. One of the things we always hear about our convention, we're all in one hotel, you experienced it being there, um, is the ability to connect. You know, it's not only a learning opportunity where they go to workshops, they listen to great speakers like yourself on Sunday uh, for us, but they also get the opportunity just to sit down with other school board members and talk about what's going on. You know, how are you dealing with this? We're having this in our district. Are you seeing that? And that connectivity, that connection, those friendships that a lot of those folks have built over the years, it's just so important. It went really well. It's a lot of work, but it went really well. Yeah. And let's talk about that, right? On on the scene there, you're, you're meeting people, you're greeting people, you got a smile, making it look easy. But like, how long was that planning? Huh? How, oh, we're already planning next year's. I mean, it, it's it's over a year in planning. You know, if you're going to book a speaker, it's a ways out. So, mm -hmm. and you start talking about themes, you start talking about programs. You know, I would love to say I do it all. I don't. I have a team, Andrew. I have a whole team of folks that work really hard here at the Oregon School Boards Association that put this thing on. I get the accolades, but really it is a team approach. I could not do it without my team. It takes over a year in planning to put on a program because we're we're three and a half days in, in Portland at the Marriott. Um, and it's just a, a ton of work, but it's really good for our members. I, I think it's probably... I've attended some other school board association conferences. Maybe I'm a little biased. I think it's one of the best ones out there. Well, you should. And as a guest there that was watching from the outside, I mean, it ran like clockwork. Your people were helpful and energized and uh, it just worked, you know, it worked in a lot of ways. And Jim, what, what you know, what was, what was Monday like? What, when do you, did you decompress for a little bit? How do you, how do you come down from such an event like that? You know, it, coming down is is exactly right because you're up i mean you're on you're you know i'm seeing members all the time throughout the hotel you know even if i'm down in the workout room the person next to me is a school board member or a superintendent you know working out on the on the treadmill next to me so it it's a crash i'll be honest with you it's like you're on the sugar high and then on monday i, I mean you're just dead to the world but then you come back on tuesday and you debrief what went well what didn't go so well and you start planning next year's conference. I mean, my team down in my board development, they are already planning next year's conference. And give a shout out to Janet, one of your assistants there. She was fantastic. Um, and you mentioned about the team. Tell me about leading that team. What would you say, Jim, are some of your, your leadership characteristics and, and, and in ways you lead as the executive director? Don't micromanage. You know, you, you do not micromanage these folks. I, I was told early on by somebody, um, you hire people smarter than yourself. And, and I think I've tried to do that at every one of the hires I've had the opportunity to make. Hire people who are smarter than yourself and ask them a, a question. 
Why do you want to work here? You know, it's a job. Yeah, there's a paycheck, those type of things. But why? What's your why? And I think I said that in my speech to my membership. What's your why for being a school board member? What's your why for wanting to work here? So you don't micromanage them. You set high expectations and professionalism, and you hold them accountable to that professionalism. The nice thing about my team is they are dedicated to public education. They're dedicated to the service of what our members do. In Oregon, school board members aren't paid. It is volunteer service. You get elected to get yelled at by people. Um, and my team is totally dedicated to the work that our members do across the state on behalf of the 550,000 students in, in Oregon. So having a dedicated team that likes to work together, that loves the work, that cares about public education, I, you know, honestly, I could only screw this team up, Andrew, if I put my hands on the steering wheel. You just kind of, you make sure we're going down the road in the right way. You make sure the board of directors that I have creates the vision and you work to make sure that that vision gets met and you communicate that to your team, set the expectations. And um, like I said, if I put my hands on the steering wheel, I'd probably screw this thing up. I let them do the work. They're bright, they're intelligent, they're articulate. They're the best team you could ever hope to manage. I've got about 50 employees here. So um, wow. we do a lot of work. It's a big state. You know, for those of you that are on the East Coast, uh, Andrew's been here. You can drive all day and never leave the borders of the state of Oregon. So it's a big state geographically. We have 197 school districts. And if one out on the eastern side of the state calls us and says, need your help, we're there. Yeah. And you had a great representation around and. Uh, let me ask you that. You know, I saw you talking to so many people. I mean, in the main room, in the in the lobby, right? You know, how how do you connect? Ooh, that person's from Eastern Oregon over there in a small district. Oh, they're from a big city over here in Salem. You know, how, how do you remember all of those people? And then certainly the the climate and culture of the district, the the intricacies there. How do you how do you remember all that? I. I guess I'm blessed a little bit. You know, you said I'm a lawyer. I went to law school. The only way I got through law school was I got a photographic memory, pretty much. I can read something one time and it's there. Wow. You know, my family, my family cut my kids call me the holder of all knowledge that is useless and trivial because I can remember <laughs> stuff like that. Really? <laughs> and when I meet somebody, it's just, you know, especially if they're a member, you know, and if they're dedicated to one of the greatest callings you'll ever have, which is public school service. Yeah. I'm going to get to know them. I'm going to want to understand that. Plus, I've lived in Oregon all my life, traveled throughout the state. When we did family vacations as a kid, we went camping. And my parents said, hey, we've never been to Harney County. We're going to go camping in Harney County. We're going to go check it out. Uh, and I travel the state on behalf of our members every fall. We do 21 regional sites around the state. I try to hit wow. as many of those, if not all of them, that I can. That's right before convention, too. So it's great. You're out there asking them what's going on in your district, and then you peel, pull that back to convention. Um, they're my members. You know, I only get to do this because of what they do. So I better get to know them. I better get to understand them, and I better know what's going on in their community. Now, I may not know on a day-to-day -day basis, but, um, you know, you, you got to know what those folks are thinking and what they're dealing with out there in the field if you want to provide a service to them. And that's yeah. what we're about. We're a service organization. Plus... I like people, you know, meeting people is one of the parts of my job that I really, really, really like. Yeah. You were connecting with people. You must've been exhausted, but uh, I, I noticed that about just like, wow, he really, 
is entrenched. Um, and that's, that's a great thing. Well, you know, when I met you the first time, one of the things you did that I was like, yeah, that, that guy gets it. You stood by the door as people were coming in, you know, and said, Hey, how you doing? I'm Andrew Murata. I'm going to be speaking to you. I do that at our convention. And then as people leave the rooms, I'm there saying, Hey, thanks for coming, shaking their hand. Good to see you. Thanks for coming. Travel safe. You know, that's important connect connectivity for those people. And it's yeah. important for me too. Well, and you're modeling what you want to see in your, in your leaders and your people. Jim, let me ask you this question. You, you hear these you know, nightmare stories of this person's on the board and they're trying to do this. And how do you have those conversations with adults of, hey, you're not here to serve your kid and get your kid to be the captain of the Odyssey, the mind team. You're here with a wide lens to do what's best for the district. How do you how do you have those conversations? You know, in most instances, Andrew, those aren't tough conversations because a lot of people understand that. Now, the folks who may get elected to a board because they got a single issue, you know, I want to fire that coach. I want to get rid of that book. I want to get, they may accomplish their goal, but then they're on the board or they may not accomplish their goal. And then they're on the board and they are the, they're the entity that sets that vision, that sets the policy of, hey, we want our district to have excellence, and this is how we're going to do it. And you need to really focus them on, this isn't about one thing. This isn't about your kid. This isn't about their kid. This is about all the kids in the school district in which you're in, depending on the size. And remember, in Oregon, we got school districts that have almost 50,000 kids. And then I've got a handful of school districts where there are more school board members than kids in the district. So it's a real, you, introduced, you introduced me to one. Yeah. It's it's a real vast difference. But the conversation you have with them is, hey, this is about a kid's 12-year career in our public school system and getting them ready for that next step in their life. Whether that's a four-year college, whether that's a two-year community, we call them community colleges in Oregon, whether that's a professional license in electrician, plumbing, welding, you know, the variety military, or just going into the work. Your job as a school board member is to provide the best, highest level education you can to prepare those kids for the next step. So when you hand them that diploma on their graduation day, you have given them all the tools they need to be ready to take that next step in their life. And that's 12 years of their life. 13, you know, when you include kindergarten, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of energy. It's a lot of dedication to make sure that when that child moves across that stage, gets that diploma, moves that tassel over to the other side, they're ready for their next step in life. That's a huge responsibility. Once you have that conversation with a school board member, you say, that's your responsibility. Your responsibility is to get them across that stage and get them ready for life. They get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a big, it's a big picture. It's a long time. Uh, for our friends watching live here, certainly jump in the show, introduce yourself. We'd love to have uh, you, you know, ask a question to Jim or myself. Um, Jim, you know, the, the handshake on the stage with the diploma is something everyone sees. What people don't see is the work you've done behind the scenes, the legislative work, the legal work you advocating for programs and funding uh, for schools all around Oregon. Tell me about some of those stories, a couple of success stories. I know you don't want to boast or brag, but there's been a lot of work done over the years and, and it's good to celebrate some of those things. So share a couple of things you're very proud of. 
Yeah, prior prior to becoming the executive director here, I was the the lobbyist. So I guess that's as my mom would say, that's two strikes against me. I'm a lawyer and a lobbyist, and then I got elected to a school board. So that's three. I was a local politician <laughs> as well. So um, I did lobby, and I still do lobby a little bit. But I do have a team that does that. But I was one of the lead lobbyists here in Oregon for locally elected school boards. A couple of things that I, I'm really proud of that we did here in Oregon. It's a little bit different than in other states. Number one, uh, for a long time, we were surrounded by states here in, on the West Coast that had done criminal background checks of school employees before they could become a teacher. I think it's pretty common knowledge now across the United States. You want to be a teacher? We're going to check and see if you've got any his history. Oregon didn't have that. Mm. And um, it was it was actually quite a battle, but one that I'm proud of because I think it protected kids, which is what we're all about. I mean, I don't want to take away anybody's job. Don't get me wrong. But if you're going to be entrusted with our youth, you need to be people that should be around our youth. And one of the things we learned very quickly when we were working with law enforcement on that is if people want to do bad things to kids, it's like, why does a bank robber rob a bank? It's where the money is. Why do you want to get near kids? Why do you want to go to school? Well, mm. I want to do bad things to kids. And that's where kids mm. are. Mm. That was one thing. Uh, another thing is we created a charter school law that we actually supported. We were the first school board association in the nation to support a charter school board because they're public schools here in Oregon. If you want to start a charter school, you got to go to your local school board. Uh, and, and while we've seen charter school laws in other, other parts of the nation that make it look more like a private school in some instances or a voucher type program, that's not what we have here in Oregon. Uh, and in 1999, I helped craft that law, working very closely with the advocates for charter schools, working very closely with other public schools and our governor at the time. Uh, it was a long, long process. Um, but we have a charter school law here in Oregon. Like I said, we only got 550,000 kids, about 130 charter schools doing pretty wow. good things on behalf wow. of kids. Yeah. And they are public schools. Wow. So that's something I'm proud about. And probably, Andrew, probably the most... The, the work I did that I'm the most proud of, Oregon has traditionally underfunded its public schools, at least in my humble opinion. And in 2019, we were able to be part of a team that included our friends at our administrator group, our teachers union, and a variety of advocates that created the Student Success Act here in Oregon that, that created a corporate activity tax that generates a billion dollars a year dedicated to public K-12 schools. Wow. Not our state school fund, not the fund that, you know, is general operating dollars. This is for specific special programs to bring students who are not performing or have traditionally been underrepresented up. And wow. it was great. A billion dollars, you know, two billion dollars in a biennium. Uh, we haven't had it roll out yet because what happened right after 2019? Bam. Pandemic. But. We have a billion dollars on an annual basis going to K-12 schools to help them make sure that students who are, who are not performing hit those performance marks. And we're seeing, we're actually seeing some really, really good initial data from that. So a tax in Oregon, you know, everybody hates taxes. My favorite tax, Andrew, is the one you pay, not the one I pay, right? Um, but a corporate <laughs> activity tax so that businesses and corporations in the state of Oregon pay into a fund that's a billion dollars a year to help support k-12 kids in this state that's and, incredible um there's a lot of work 
Uh, and Oregon School Boards Association, the board of directors, we put a million and a half dollars into a campaign to make sure that happened. Wow. Wow. It was worth it on the, on the, what you it, got on the, on the other end of it. You bet it was. And, yeah. and that's probably the, the biggest accomplishment I've ever, besides having kids, my own kids. Uh, yeah. Professionally, that's a, that's a big accomplishment. Something I'm yeah. very proud of. Well, and I know you have a grandchild now. I've seen your pictures there and, and, you know, you have, you have an adult child, one in college, one in high school. And now again, thinking about that funding that your grandchildren uh, are going to be part of, you should be proud of that. And, and I'm sure it wasn't easy. Well, I hope it's a legacy that'll live for a long time because it's not just about the kids that are in school today. Like you said, it's about that next generation and the generation it follows. We've got to have, got to have a great educated electorate. We got to have a great educated citizenry in order to make sure, you know, we're a state that's going to continue to move forward. Well, you're certainly a beautiful state. Uh, I know you're a lifelong Oregonian. You're the fifth generation there, uh, passing that on to your children. For those here on the East Coast, right? We're, we're, you know, tell us a little bit about what makes Oregon so beautiful. I mean, I'm, I have just been blown away by, by you Oregon know, I'd say, and so many things there. I'd say there's a couple of things. You've been here, Andrew. So I would say, one, it, you know, the geography of the state, because you've got the beautiful Pacific Ocean out here and the coastline, which by the way, every beach in Oregon is public. We don't have private beaches from the Washington border to the California border. The law was passed here a long time ago. All beaches in Oregon are public access beaches, no fences. You wanna go on a beach? You're free to go on that beach. Uh, you know, the beautiful Willamette Valley where we grow some of the best Pinot Noir grapes and wines in the world, by the way to our Cascade Mountains, volcanic mountain range here that gets snow, just beautiful. If you've seen the picture of Portland with Mount Hood in the background, um, to the high desert, to our, you know, just the beauty of the state, the different zones that we have here in the state, it's a big state. I think more importantly though, Andrew, really it's the people. You know, people, Oregonians are just really nice people. Um, I, I always say, you know, uh, don't be in a hurry if you're driving in Oregon, because we're gonna let people in. You know, if somebody needs to get in that lake, you're going to let them in the lake. You're going to let them turn in front of you and then you give the courtesy wave. We're just, it, we're a different breed of people out here. We're really nice. Not saying people on the East Coast aren't nice. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying I've, I've experienced a lot across the United States and um, it's the beauty of the state. I mean, we are, it, it is just a beautiful state and the people are just really, really friendly and nice. They give an excessive amount of room. If you're crossing the street, they give an excessive amount of room. They're stopping 30 feet away. <laughs> Here in New York, you're lucky you get three inches. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But no, yeah, that, really was, that was a little bit of a culture shock for this West Coast kid going to the East Coast one time. I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey. <laughs> no, it is and, beautiful. And and you walk down the sidewalk here and everybody, hey, how you doing? You know, they're, they're, it's, they're, it's, I, I've walked through the streets of New York and it, people, you know, no offense to New Yorkers, no offense, my friend, but people <laughs> here are just, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Hey, how you doing? You know, we have apps that check the traffic. You have apps that check the weather, you know, 30, 30 minutes away, you could have uh, freezing and, uh, you know, 12 inches of snow. Hey, we like to say here in Oregon, if you don't like the weather, hang out 15 minutes, it's going to change. <laughs> 
And I loved when I went to the Ducks game. They said, you know, the name of the stadium, where it never rains. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it rains in Odson Stadium. Uh, it sure does. And that was a beautiful thing. But uh, you're a Beavers fan, uh, but you're also a big fan. That is not a G on the lamp behind you for green. That is a C for Cubs. Jim, I, I love it. I love that you're a baseball guy. You know, tell me about your 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 love of the Cubs and why that is. Well, so my great grandfather grew up outside of Springfield, Illinois, and at the time, back in the day, you know, it was radio stations, right? So you either listened to WGN, which carried the Cubs, or I think it was like WQC or whatever carried the Cardinals. He listened. He listened to the Cubs. My dad was a Yankees fan. My brother was a Giants fan. So. I became a Cubs fan to piss off my dad, uh, but you know they were the lovable losers, you know. And I just rooted for the underdog. I, 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 I liked. I, I just liked the Cubs. Finally, got to go to Wrigley Field, and I'll tell you, for those of you out there who have not been to Wrigley Field, it is a cathedral among baseball stadiums. It's where baseball was meant to be played. Yeah, yeah, incredible. And you, you not only went to games there. You went to the World Series game. I did. I didn't go to the World Series. Uh, I had a deal with my wife, uh, who is the love of my life. Twenty-five years being being married to me and put up with me. Yeah, she's she's a saint, just an absolute saint. But I had a deal with her. I said, "Hey, if the Cubs ever go to the World Series, I'm going." She was like, "Yeah, they'll never go." Yeah, sure, I'll agree to that. No problem. So in 2016. That was when the All-Star Game meant something. Whoever won the All-Star Game hosted the World Series. American League won, so I looked and I said, oh, look, you know, if they're in Chicago, this is the weekend. Happens to be my birthday weekend and my oldest daughter, who's a public school teacher, by the way. Um, it's her birthday, too. And so I bought airline tickets. I booked a hotel and said, hey, if we win, great, we'll be there. If not, I can use the tickets later. So we beat the Dodgers in the 2016 National League Championship, and I'm sitting on the couch next to my wife, and I look at her, and I said, well, I got airline tickets. I got a hotel room. I guess I'm going. She goes, I guess so. So I pull them up online, and the tickets were astronomically expensive. I mean, think about it. It's a small venue. Cubs hadn't been to the World Series since 1945. Yeah, yeah. And I said, this is how much they are. And she goes, buy them. I'm not going to be the person to stand but between you and a Cubs World Series. She's a saint, Andrew. Wow. And, and I did. Uh, I was my my oldest daughter and I were in Wrigley Field for game four of the 2016 World Series. It was electric. It was phenomenal. It was a bucket list issue. And to be able to share with my daughter was even even a topper. I mean, just fantastic. And those games, you're watching those games at five o'clock on the, on the West Coast, right? I mean, oh, yeah. You're having dinner and a beer hanging out. Yeah, yeah. But we were there for that whole weekend when the, all the games yeah. were there. And yeah. uh, went down to Wrigleyville, which for those of you that don't know, the little area around Wrigley Field is called Wrigleyville, where there's bars, restaurants. It's a neighborhood. Um, and it was electric. I mean, there must have been 250,000 plus people just in the neighborhood. Streets were packed. It was, it was electric. It was so much fun. And we won the World Series, man, you know. 2016 World Series champions. So yeah, I was I was a little happy. Jim, you've been advocating for schools so long. A lifelong baseball fan. Give me uh, two or three baseball lessons that that correlate to leadership and the work you're doing. 
play the game with passion. Play the whole game. Mm-hmm. Nine innings in a baseball game. There's nine innings in a legislative series. There's nine innings in public education. You got to play the whole game. You never know what's going to happen. And it takes a team. It, it takes a team, whether that's a team here at OSBA, whether that's a team of folks working to pass the corporate activity tax for the Student Success Act here, whether it is a school board in Oregon City, Oregon, trying to create the best possible educational programs they can for their students in their school district. That's a team approach. And that's the one thing I like about baseball is it's a team game. Sure, there's lots of individual awards given out and a variety of things, but teams win games. Teams lose games. And the other thing I would say is, uh, you know, you you can be an all-star, but you got to be surrounded by people who are willing to do the work as well. That was a great answer. <laughs> yeah, great answer. Jim, um, you know, we're, we're coming down the stretch here. What was something that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you? You know, uh, the why, you know, why I do what I do. Um, I do what I do because I believe in public education. I am a product of public education here in Oregon. One thing my mom told me a very long time ago, Andrew, is no matter what you do in life, no one can ever take away your education. Yeah. So I was the first ever in my family to graduate from college. Go Beavers, Oregon State University. Uh, And then I went to law school on top of that. And and it's exactly true. No one can ever take away the education that you're going to have. And I am where I am today because of my public education here in Oregon and a handful of teachers that I could list off for you today still that have influenced my life and really pushed me to do the things that are important. That's a beautiful story. And, you know, some of your speakers, even at the conference, you know, shared about their story. The educators, Ravi's story was fantastic about the the the, uh, the music and and all of that but uh kudos to you for your service uh in public education and that's a that's a great story about the uh the monies that'll be uh funding uh oregon public schools for for many years there that's a that's a great story yeah i'm 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 hopeful that the legislature doesn't monkey around with it we got to be ever vigilant on that so you know once you build the wall you got to stand on that wall to make sure nobody's tearing it down and that's mm-hmm. one we're going to stand on and we're going to fight for and continue to make sure that those funds are available. Not only, like I said, for the kids who are in school, like my daughter, my youngest daughter today, but my grandson, who's going to be going to public schools here in Oregon in the next five to six years. It's important. It's too important. Good stuff, Jim. Let's roll to rapid fire. These are quick answers, Jim. First thing that comes to your mind. Uh, let's roll. Last book you read. Uh, leading from anywhere, David Burkus. It's about uh, being able to lead a team in a virtual world. Mm. Last movie you saw? Uh, Top Gun. What did you the think of one. Top Gun? The new <laughs> Top Gun. Yeah. yeah. Amazing, right? So, and I guess uh, White Christmas. You know, it's Christmas season. So we watched that while we were decorating the tree. But the last one I went to, Top Gun. Great movie. Yeah. He's incredible, Tom Cruise. Your favorite dish? You and I got to share a meal together. What's your favorite dish? Probably salmon, you know, being from the Pacific Northwest, salmon. Uh, you travel a lot for the job. Where, where's your favorite place to travel? Well, outside of Oregon or inside Oregon? Because there's a couple give, of places. Give, give me one of each. Okay, so in Oregon, there's a little river where I love to fly fish 
uh, stream comes out of the mountain called the Metolius River in Central Oregon. Beautiful place. Little little area there called Camp Sherman. My son works there in the summertime. The other, you've been there, Wallowa Lake up in Eastern Oregon. My God, the most beautiful spot in the world. I used to work there in the summers when I was in high school and college. So great spot. If I'm traveling outside of Oregon, but within the United States, I love Washington, D.C. Just the history, you know, being being a history buff, being a history major, uh, the history, the ability to go to museums, just the awe of the city in and of itself. It's got a real cool vibe. I, I love D.C. There's always something new. You can go to a Smithsonian and never see it in a day. And there's so many museums. Stuff's free. Uh, you know, I, I had lunch one time and, you know, uh, who's sitting at a table over from me, a, a, a justice off the U S Supreme court. I mean, where wow. else can that happen? So, wow. yeah. And then with your law background, I mean, so much law there, you know? Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, the best school boards are the best because fill in the blank. They work together as a team for a goal in supporting students. Bam. A journal or blog you subscribe to? Hmm. God, I, you know, a lot of them are just for fun for me because I do a lot of, I mean, you know, I'm looking at the books. Somebody sent me this book. I don't know. I got to read this book, man. You know, got to read this book. Somebody gave me this book. I got to read that book. Most <laughs> of my blogs, to be honest with you, Andrew, are about my hobbies. Um, Cubs. There's, you know, how many blogs are there about the Chicago Cubs? Come on. Um one on a couple on leadership that I listen to. Um, mostly it's about my hobbies. You know, that's kind of my downtime. So uh, yeah. the blogs that I listen to are, are a lot about my hobbies that are out there. Fly fishing. Uh, I collect some baseball memorabilia here and there. So a lot about that stuff. Steve Bartman, hero or villain? Hero. I do it. It is. He's a lifelong Cubs fan, just like I am. I remember that game, playing the Florida Marlins, foul ball. You'd go for it. I'd go you for it. Everybody go for it. And, and he didn't lose the game for him. They made errors after that. They couldn't get the outs necessary. I feel bad for the guy, to be honest with you. I really, really do. Lifelong Cubs fan. He's at a playoff game. A foul ball's coming his way. Of course he's going to try to catch it. And, and you can't blame him for trying to get it. it Did they, they made welcome it him back? Didn't they welcome him back? They should. I saw an interview with him uh, while they were making their World Series run in 2016. And he's still a huge Cubs fan. Knows stats. Knows the players. Like, yeah, we're doing great. I hope we make it to the World Series. But, you know, he'll never live that down. But it wasn't his fault. They didn't perform as a team after that. Yeah. And you can't yeah. point to a fan in the stands and say, we lost because of him. I mean, <laughs> he, you just can't do that. A pet peeve of yours, something that gets under your skin. Negative people. Don't like negative people. There, there's all there's already so much negativity in the world. There's no there's no need to be a negative person. Agreed. A recent victory. Uh we had we had our first in-person convention and it went off tremendously. Other other than that Sunday speaker we brought in. I mean, you know, actually. Actually, Andrew, they were very, very, very appreciative of your talk. I, I can't, I can't thank you enough for coming out and doing that for us. That was a victory for us because we hadn't done one in a couple of years. We didn't know how many people were going to show up, you know, yeah. given the pandemic and the variety of things. We had a great turnout, had a great vibe, had great energy. 
very positive, very, very positive. I take that as a victory. Yeah. Uh, the other one is, uh, hey, my grandson just keeps growing, just keeps getting bigger. You playing Love baseball with him? Is he, is he a baseball guy? You know what? His mom told me the other day. Uh, he he took the he took the vacuum tube and started whacking a Christmas ornament <laughs> on the tree. She goes, "You better get him a tea and a and a bath for Christmas, Grandpa." So. <laughs> At 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, I feel, fill in the blank. I feel positive. 8 a.m. on a Saturday, I got the whole weekend in front of me. I can look back at the week of work that I've done, um, and I get to spend time with my family. I get to spend time doing some of the stuff that I don't get to do throughout the week. Uh, This job is a lot of work. I love it, though. I absolutely love the job I do. But uh, it takes a lot of time away from my family. And I know on the weekends, I get to spend some time with my family and my friends doing the stuff I really enjoy doing. Not that I don't enjoy doing the work. But I feel energized. I feel rested. I feel time to spend some time, you know, giving back to my family because they've given me a lot to do this work. It takes a lot of time away from my family. And they appreciate that. They recognize it. And that's my time to give back to them. Two words to describe yourself. Positive and energetic. Nice. One thing you're curious about. Will the Cubs win another World Series in my lifetime? <laughs> um, the other, you know, the other thing I'm curious about is um, just people's people's proclivity to not do the right thing when they know the right thing is out there. I, I, I don't know why people do that. You know, why would you choose to do this, a negative takeaway, when you have the ability to do something positive to influence a life in this way? I, I don't understand that. I'm curious about that. Curious about what goes on in someone's mind about that. Yeah, yeah. And you wish you could just, right? You know, <laughs> something about Jim Green that people do not know about. I am scared to death of roller coasters. I can't stand them, man. I get on there and I, I lose my breath. I start sweating. I just, I hate roller coasters, man. I am deathly afraid of them. Always have been. Always will be. But you do you go? Do people like? Because I can't go on the if, stuff. If there's a way to get out of it, I don't. But, you know, every <laughs> my kids, everyone. Oh, Dad, let's go on the roller coaster. Okay, we'll go on the roller. You know, heights don't bother me that much. The Ferris wheel out at Navy Pier. You know those ones. Those don't bother me at all. I don't know what it is, Andrew, man. It's roller coasters. I am deathly afraid of them. <laughs> deathly afraid of them. <laughs> Jim, I got the, the school boards association website scrolling on the bottom there. How is that the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you or, or you know, your service? Yeah, they can there? link to my email. My email is the letter J Green, J-G-R-E-E-N, at OSBA.org. Shoot me an email. I'm happy to talk, respond, you know, any questions they've got. You know, why why the Cubs are the best team in the National League and in Major League Baseball in total. You know, happy to talk about that. Why did they just sign Cody Bellinger to a $17.4 million deal? Happy to talk about that. <laughs> How many pieces of memorabilia are in the office right now? <laughs> Not enough, in my opinion. In my <laughs> wife's opinion, too much, Andrew. 
I, like I said, I could probably fill two rooms, but you know, I've got an Ernie Banks signed baseball and signed uh, replica of Wrigley Field. I've got a replica of the 2016 World Series trophy. Um, I got quite a bit here, but there's a whole room at home, dude. There's a whole I room love, at home. I love the passion. <laughs> Jim, let's wrap us up here. Is there a quote uh, that you can leave us with, something that you find inspirational? You know, one of my favorite presidents is Harry S. Truman. And, and the quote that he had on his presidential desk, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It was on the Resolute desk while he was in the White House. It says, the buck stops here. Mm. And that meant a lot to him. Uh, I've read a lot about Harry S. Truman over the years, read a lot of biographies about him, read one written by his daughter and mm. why that quote was so important to him because you have to be accountable. That's what that meant to him was accountability. You know, that he even had that before he was president, when he was a U.S. senator, when he owned a haberdashery there in Missouri. He had that as just his quote that says, the buck stops here. It means a lot in that you're accountable. That, you know, you have to take accountability for the actions that you're going to do. You're going to make decisions. Some of them aren't good. Some of them are good. But the buck stops here. You've got to own it. Great way to end the show. Um, Jim, I wish you and your family happy holidays. Uh, it was an honor to get to know you. And it was an honor to come out and be part of the conference with you. Hey, Andrew, it was great to have you and your wife out. I'm glad you could uh, find time in your in your schedule to go to dinner with us. It was fantastic to, to get to meet you again. Uh, we'll get you back out here. Don't worry about it. I'm singing your praises to folks all over Oregon. If you want a highly energetic, motivated speaker, <laughs> Andrew Murata is the guy you want to bring out. The clean version. <laughs> you, you, you know sometimes you got to know your audience Andrew. you got to know your audience and we hit the mark there that was yeah uh, you was... did great by the way you did fantastic really appreciate it and hey thanks for having me on sorry your viewership you know dropped off because you got a lawyer <laughs> a lobbyist and a politician on but you know <laughs> he's oh he's oh for three but there's always the next swing jim there's always one more as the cubs like to say andrew there's always next year <laughs> This was Jim Green, everybody. Show number 231. Uh, Jim, wish you the best, and, and thanks for your service uh, to our schools. Uh, we're going to sign off here on show 231. If I can help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out at Andrew Murata 21 Jim, you stay on the line a moment, and uh, we're going to wrap up here. Keep surviving and thriving, friends, and keep rolling. Thanks, Jim. Mm -hmm.